this Sabbath is a very special Sabbath, as you can see. We have Communion Sabbath this Sabbath. Um, But along with that, this past Sunday, something really special happened here in this sanctuary, here in this entire church. It was such a blessing to have 125 people plus, probably more like 140 or so, we don't have the final count from the conference yet, came through the doors of our church. And those of you who don't know about it, last Sunday we had the Hope Clinic here in our church where people came and they received free dental care. Some people were getting uh, extractions, some were fillings, some were getting root canals, all for free. Some were getting uh, eyeglasses. They were getting prescriptions and and they're going to have eyeglasses shipped to them in a few, or they're going to come pick them up in a little while. They were getting lifestyle counseling. They were getting body scans. They were getting massages. It's an incredible thing for a church to be open like that and to have people walk in the doors of our church just to receive help for things they desperately need. And I've heard again and again from many of you throughout the week of how you were blessed by being a part of that or even how some of you were blessed by coming and getting some of the services that you needed yourself. Well, we thought the best thing would be for us as a church family to hear how God moved, the things that God did among us. So the first part of the sermon this morning is just going to be us sharing what God did and how God moved among us. So I have uh, Faustino here with a mic and John Doran with a mic. So Anybody feel free to raise your hand if there's a story about how you personally were impacted. God worked in a miraculous way for you during the health clinic this past Sunday, or if it was something from something you saw in somebody else's life, a person who came and received services or who you interacted with, who they were moved in a powerful way, go ahead and raise your hand. You know, Psalm 55 23 says that whoever offers praise glorifies God. When we praise God, we don't just pass by a moment like what happened last Sunday, but we actually praise God for what he did. It brings him more glory. So thank you for sharing this morning. Go ahead. What gave me the greatest blessing was the spirit of unity in everybody's hearts that helped. Uh, we were having people change positions, do different things, and not once did anyone um, refuse to do that. And Saturday night, whenever we uh, set up, we'd send somebody, go here, go do this, can you go do this? And everyone was totally willing. And um, I just have to say, John Burquist, we probably sent him to the store 40 times. (laughs) Not literally, but probably close to six. And he went every single time. And I just appreciate our church family so much and their willingness to help. Amen. We're thankful for, for your help. You know, John 17, Jesus actually prayed for this. It was his last prayer uh, there as the disciples are. He's about to go to the cross. And he actually prayed for that kind of unity to happen. In verse 21, he said, that they all may be one. He's talking about you and I. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me. How close is that? oneness. That same oneness, he's praying for you and I, and it says that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. When we're one like that, when we work together to help the world, it makes a difference in such a way that people can recognize that God really sent Jesus. Yes, Jerry. I wasn't able to be here this last weekend, but um, 
uh, a guy that works across the hall from me uh, had heard um, had heard about the clinic and um, had come and asked me if um, how he could uh, bring somebody. And I said, well, it sounded like all the appointments were filled, and so if he wanted to come, he needed to just come early. So um, I think he got here around 5 or 5.30 in the morning, and he was the first one here uh, with his friend, and his friend was able to get a root canal, and he was so happy because he had gone to a dentist, and it was going to cost him $1,500 for the tooth. And so um, people in my department uh, heard about it, and... Um, so a lot of the assistants were saying, "Man, the next time you have one, you make sure I know about it because I want to come and assist. That just sounds like so much fun. So um, it's really interesting. Even people that um, uh, just hear about it, they want to come and volunteer and help. That's awesome. It's so inspiring to see how this impacts even people in your own workplace are now able to share about our church more effectively. And in fact, Leo himself, who I saw here when I first got up here on Sunday morning, he brought Saul. He was the cook at the taco shop that he goes to down in San Luis. And he appreciated his cooking so much that when he told him about his tooth, he really wanted to bring him up here. By the end of the day, we were thanking him, saying, hey, thank you that you took the time your whole day to come up here and bring the cook from the taco shop here and to translate for him. And he had tears in his eyes. He just said, thank you so much for offering this for my friend. So we actually got his number. So next time he's a physical therapist, he may be here helping us next time around. Bruce. Uh, I've been trying for years now to get my next door neighbor to come to church. Mm. But when he heard about the clinic and he needed some teeth worked on, he was right here in the, in the, in the sanctuary. And he said it was very peaceful and a very warm and welcome feeling when he was here at the church and he's decided he's going to come back to the uh, vegan potluck uh, on each the first of each month and and other things too so I think he really got a good blessing there that's great an opportunity for people to come into our church who would never have come in here otherwise and they sat right in the pews where you're sitting and they weren't terrified to be here because they were receiving help now, Bruce, how long ago did you have surgery? Uh, Wasn't it like the Thursday before? Uh, Monday will be two weeks. Okay, so that week before Sunday, he'd had surgery, and he pulls up, one of the first people to pull up, and as he's pulling up, he gets out, and he's in his wheelchair. I walk over to him, and he pulls up his shorts, and he has stitches from his close to his knee all the way up past where I could see. The stitches kept going. He's had another surgery... But he's bringing his neighbor to come get help. And he sat out here in the courtyard for hours. Imagine he wasn't the most comfortable having gone through another surgery. But he brought his neighbor here so that his neighbor could experience Jesus blessing him through the clinic. That was a real blessing to me. Yes, Stephen. Uh, just what an encouragement and what a blessing. I, when I raised my hand, Yana said, don't say anything about me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's in general. My comment is in general. I just want to thank the people who organized it for including the children. Mm -hmm. um, these are exactly the kinds of experiences we need to give to our young people so that they grow in Christ, you know, the heart of service that we saw operating here. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a wonderful ministry. It's, a, it's an outreach ministry. It's a health ministry. It's a service ministry. And to have the young people included is just perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so great to see young people, young adults, young children excited. Like, they're not normally excited about being here in church because they're actually ministering. They're actually doing something. So often we come here and we just sit here. But Jesus wants us to be loving this world, and that fires up young people. Steve. I just wanted to mention that conversation with Steve Horton from the conference. And I said, what is... How is, what impact is this going to have on the church? What impact is it having on churches or through the conference? And he said, your church will never be the same. As I hear these stories and testimonies, it really reminds me of those words. And it, it just felt like a miracle every step of the way that the response to this church was so outstanding. Uh, it's been a dream to see something like this happen in this church and to see that miracle unfold is a powerful experience, I know, for all of us. And uh, the other thing that Steve Horton mentioned was the untapped resource within our church. We have so many trained medical professionals, that, but that resource has been untapped. And this is something that, that unleashes that ministry and changes the lives of professionals who have now something more than just a job. They have a ministry of their own. Yeah, such a blessing. We had over like 10 dentists and four MDs and lots of nurses, lots of physical therapists and other people helping. Such a blessing. Um, I just wanted to share two um, episodes that I had. Um, One of my first was it the very first? I think it was the very first patient that we talked to. Um, I think Dr. Kirk and I did her together. Um, we were in lifestyle counseling, and we were spending time with her. And um, she, um, we were enjoying our time together. And then her husband came and joined us, and he'd had his tooth extracted, and she just started to cry because it was such a big deal to her that he, he had been having trouble eating and he had needed this for a long time and it was just so helpful to them. So it was just really appreciated. And then the other thing I wanted to say was that um, it was really enjoyable to have the interpreters. I had Faustino and I had a, a number of them. And um, it was just, um, it almost made it easier to talk to them about trusting in God. You know, we're talking about lifestyle. And so we had the opportunity to ask them if they attended a church and invite them to attend ours. And it was really a great um, way to just connect with them. And some were so surprised that we had a Spanish-speaking church, and that was really good. So um, it was just a great way to touch a lot of people. a blessing to hear how individuals were touched. Do we have any other people who would like to share? It could be something that you just personally were blessed by. Joy. I wasn't able to be here, but yesterday I did my Bible study that I'm following up for with Heidi. And um, it's with the lady of the home and her husband came in and we usually sit at the dining room table. Well, he came in and was working at the kitchen counter right next to us, chopping up a bunch of vegetables for uh, a turtle and some rabbits that he's taking care of for a neighbor. So while he's standing there, he introduces himself to me. And I said, um, are you ever interested in studying the Bible? Do you want to join us sometime? And he said, no, he did believe in God, but... Um, he 
didn't ever read the Bible. And um, he said, but, he said, my neighbor went to your Hope Clinic and was so impressed. And there, the neighbor was a physical therapist, and he said that they stayed all day. They just couldn't believe how wonderful it was. And so he was, you know, sharing with the neighbors what an amazing church this was. And he goes, so, you know, I do know your church is great. And so it was just a real um, affirmation that um, the community is aware that we had a wonderful day. That's what we want to be known for. John thirteen thirty five says, By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Alicia. Well, that was a blessing all the way. At first, I didn't know what to expect. That was my first time doing something like that. And, um, but um, I was overwhelmed with joy just to see people just... Everything seems working so smooth, and um, uh, people seem um, happy and patient, waiting for their turns. And I was able to uh, translate and give them welcome. I feel like I wanted to do more for them, and um, and helping them to fill up the applications. I was um, <clears throat> trying to encourage them to um, um, get a Bible study or. Um, either other um, necessities they have, like if they wanted to uh, uh, go in for a good um, diet or um, any other um, things that we offer here. And um, some people couldn't, um, they couldn't uh, believe that that was happening in the church. And um, this lady, um, I met her in the, the restroom and she asked me, what do we believe? So I was just wanted to tell her, you know, a lot, give her a Bible study, but that time was so short to just spend with each of them. So, um, and um, I met a lot of my friends that I met before, and um, that was so, so special just to see them here and let them know we are here, just come and see us, and, you know. So a lot of things happen. I can just keep going on and on, but I, <laughs> I just praise God. Yeah, praise the Lord. I've heard that from a lot of you. I wish he's, a lot of you have said, I wish I could do that every day. I wish I could just, and I mean, it was a lot of work. It took eight hours of just constantly serving and doing things, and yet so many of you said, the feeling I had, I just wish I could have that all the time. Such a blessing. Kathy. Well, I have to share with you that I got a little bit discouraged on this before we did it because David and I were working very hard to get the communication part done. I was just sure that the radio and television stations would be anxious to tell everybody about this awesome thing. And the national news had had covered Pathways to Health in L.A. and all that, so I thought, oh, no problem. And we just got shut down everywhere we went. Uh, The radio station goes, oh, no, we need to talk about the election. And I thought, oh, yeah, I need to hear a lot more about the election. I'm not hearing that anywhere. And um, the radio, and the television said, uh, well, we hate to be blunt, but we really rather cover bad news. That's what sells. And I was just, I thought, you know, how are we going to tell people? But you know what? God worked it out. We now have, what, 140 non-Adventist ambassadors for this church Amen. that are saying the Adventists were awesome? That's Help better than out. if we say it. So I think yeah. it's just incredible how God worked things out. Word of mouth is the very best thing. People have experienced it. 
Well, I just wanted to say thank you to all the interpreters. I worked in the optical, and it was they were such a blessing to be able to, um, you know, um, you needed something, they were able to come and do it. And um, I, I just loved how everybody worked together. It was such a blessing with that. Um, and just how things came together. My dad was able to come, which was a real blessing. I, and he, he didn't know until the until five to nine o'clock the night before that he was coming to help so we had a ron had a cancellation and just happened i was just telling ron when we were here helping it's like i said well my dad said you know just to contact him if you know if you get a cancellation but i guess we're good for tomorrow right and he goes actually two minutes ago i just had a dentist cancel so and it was just and so my dad it was nice to have him come and um and uh, meet all my friends. So, <laughs> and then also um, one. Well, I had the opportunity to be able to s- just kind of uh, coordinate, so I would able to stand and talk to the people that were waiting. And there was a one gentleman that was. Uh, I we start, struck up a conversation about um, where he went to church. He goes, "Do you belong to this church?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Well, well, what is it? What do you believe?" And so I said, "Well, I, I just started breaking down." I just like, you know, what do you say in just a few minutes? Um, but I just said, well, you know, this uh, seventh day means we go to church on on the seventh day. Do you know which day that is? And he said, he, well, he said, he just kind of looked at me and said, well, Sunday. And I said, well, actually, the Bible says it's on Saturday. And he was like, really? And I said, yeah. And he goes, and I said, you should go and ask your um, priest. And I said, it's actually in your catechism that they'll tell you that the biblical Sabbath is Saturday and that they actually changed it to Sunday. And he was like, what? You know, so anyway, he, we didn't get an opportunity to, to share more because we got pulled away. But um, I just pray that the Lord will use that for him to study, you know, maybe look into it more. But he just was so amazed on um, that this group was doing this. for, And uh, and even the people that had stayed here, um, we had a lady that was here from 9 o'clock, and she had gone through the dental. And, you know, we're still all trying to learn because this is our first time here. And I just, the volunteers are just amazing. And uh, I think we learn, all learned so much on what to do next time. And then also it was neat to see the Santa Maria Church and I think Arroyo Grande that want to do this also. We were able to share with them what we learned just in the short amount of time. So it was really a blessing. So yeah. anyway. God came through in so many different ways again and again. Uh, for Ron, he would have one person cancel right as somebody else came, another dentist who helped. And we even had dentists showing up that day. We had the county dentist who showed up. And he stayed all day doing triage, and we hadn't expected him to be there. And he was the one who would go out in the hall, and we were about ready to try to wrap things up. But he was going to people and saying, do you have pain? Do you have pain? Do you have pain? Anybody that had pain, he was bringing them into the clinic. Because we can't have people out there who are hurting when we have what can help them, right? We have one here, David, and then Kathy back there. I just wanted to say that uh, I walked around through the whole day taking pictures. And it was amazing. Every place I went where I watched people being served, there were yellow shirts, there were uh, good attitudes and smiling faces. And I just want to praise God that I know the people were being served and they were being taken care of. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for all the smiles. Yeah. I I just want to praise the Lord for the opportunity to come and to be a part of such a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, I was really praying, and I know a lot of people were praying that the Holy Spirit 
would be poured out upon our church that day in, in the ministry of love to others. And I just felt wrapped in love that whole day. I just felt, um, you know, that God was here and in all the interactions between people working and also people that were coming to get help, um, that there was this wonderful camaraderie and um, just there were lovely families and wonderful connections made that are, you know, time only eternity will know the far-reaching effects of of you know, what God did on that day. Amen. Eternity will tell, for sure. I don't want to say we'll save the best for last, but I want to let my wife share next. I was really grateful uh, for several things. One was the generator that we were going to have to use um, was probably going to cost around $500 to be able to provide power for everything we needed in the dental clinic. But God blessed with someone donating their generator for free, and it worked so smoothly all day with no problems, and that was a huge blessing. Um, Just in coordinating volunteers, I was so blessed by everyone who just came in and helped. I know Laura, she's here today. She worked all night and still came in. Um, We had other people who have been working all week but stayed really late on Saturday night. We're here again at 6 o'clock in the morning and stayed all the way till 7 or 8 o'clock at night, Sunday night. So that was huge. And I had one lady in particular who, as she was leaving, I just was asking her how her experience was. And she said, I feel so much better. She said, my throat has been hurting for a really long time. She said, just being here, the help you guys have given me, the people you've connected with, I feel way better today. And that just made me smile to think that's what we're here for, is just to help people any way we can. Yeah, it's such a blessing. And when people say, you know, why are you doing this? What's going on? And we can just tell them, we just wanted to love like Jesus loved. We just wanted to serve like Jesus served. Have a nice day. Like there's no strings attached. You don't like require me to do anything now. Say no. Just thank you for being here. It's such an incredible blessing. One more. It didn't dawn on me until the next day or two that I saw a very minor, small miracle. But some of you will appreciate it. We were told we needed 30 more servings of food, and I looked at what the lasagna we had left, and we didn't have that many. I didn't have that many trays to put it in, and it dawned on me later. We served up 30 more, um, and then some of it was left, and I expect that the people that were staying Sunday night to clean up then had a little bit to eat. Yeah, they did. God multiplied it. Praise the Lord. God blessed in so many ways. It's so obvious that this is something He wants us to be doing, because we saw His favor moving in so many different ways, even in small ways. Like Kathy was telling you, it was difficult with the elections going on to have the people from the newscast come in to cover this. But I sent an email into KSBY asking them or giving them a news tip on their website about, hey, we're having this health clinic on Sunday. I didn't hear back. I'd left my phone number and I you know, expected that they would call me. So it came to the day and I thought, it's not going to happen. They're not going to show up. Well, all of a sudden I hear that there's a phone call in the kitchen. And I don't know why, but Dell, working in the kitchen, decided to answer the phone, even though he was there sanitizing equipment. But he answers the phone, and guess who's on the phone? I hadn't given them the church phone number. I'd given them my phone number. But they called the church, and it was KSBY. And we don't have somebody here always answering the phones. But thankfully, Dell picked up that phone, and they said, Hey, today is a day which was a terrible day in a lot of ways for America, as 50 
people uh, passed away in the nightclub and there's a terrible day of hate and, and terror going on, we don't have time to come up and cover it live. But if you send some clips and a little bit of information about it, we'll highlight it. So just wanted to share with you the clip that was on KSBY on the 8 p.m. news. Hilton Church is stepping up to help locals stay healthy with free dental vision and other medical exams, all for free. More than 125 people came to the Seventh-day Adventist Church's Hope Clinic today for free dental, eye, and other medical exams. The day was possible to 75 volunteers, including doctors and dentists, who donated their time to provide free health services for those in need. Well, it was another pretty gray day across the central. It was a gray day. In more ways than one, all of America was focused on terror, on hate, on people getting massacred. But you made a difference in this community. People walked out of here with hope. When they turned on the news, maybe it had less of an impact on them because they didn't have pain anymore in their mouth. Because they're going to be able to see when they get those glasses. They have hope because of what you were willing to do and to give. We estimated, if you counted what it would cost to go to a dentist's office, to go to a a vision uh, place, optometrist, it would have cost tens of thousands of dollars easily for the services that took place in this church last Sunday. People were blessed because of what you were willing to do. And this is what Jesus has told us to do. John 13 and verse 35, it says, "...by this all will know that you are my disciples." This is the way that they'll know that you're followers of Jesus if you have love for one another. Open your Bibles with me, in fact, to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 1, Jesus talks a little bit about this incredible love. John 13 and verse 1 says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father. Jesus has come to that moment where he recognizes that it's the end of his time here on earth. He's only got a few hours left in order to be with the disciples, in order to teach anybody on this planet, in order to do his ministry. So what does he do? Verse 13, verse 1 continues, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You see, we can only love like Jesus loved if we recognize how it was that Jesus loved. So here it's described how Jesus had loved them to begin with, and at the end, he loved them in a very special way. Let's look at how John 13 describes the way that Jesus loved them. Verse 2 continues, And supper being ended, or it actually could be translated, and as supper was happening, or during supper, The devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Picture this. Jesus is there. Do you have people in your life who are difficult to deal with? People in your life who you feel like they have it out for you? Jesus is there sitting at the table, and there beside him on his left side was Judas. And on his right side was John, his beloved disciple. The two closest to him, one who really loved him and the other who was ready to betray him that night. The one who got the trusted position, the one who should have had his back, was the one who Jesus very well knew was planning to stab him in the back that night, was planning to 
betray him that night. Verse 3 continues, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God. Let that sink in. This is what Jesus has finally come to understand. Through all this time, he has been growing. He grew up as a child and he grew in wisdom, it says. So Jesus had to learn in the same way that you and I had to learn. He had to study his Bible just like you and I. But things have clicked fully in Jesus' understanding of his mission. He understands that all things have been given to him. He understands his Father's infinite love for him. Really, you could say here that he understands that he's king of the entire universe. Because he knows that all things, absolutely everything has been given into his hand. He has all power in the entire universe. He's king of kings. And here he is at this supper, and he's, John highlights that he recognizes this infinite kingly power that Jesus had. So what happens when you're at dinner with the king of kings, when you're there with the most important person in the universe who has all power? How does a person like that behave? What would it be like to sit down with a monarch today to have dinner with them? Everybody's attention would be focused on them. Everybody would be bowing and doing whatever possible to make sure that they have a good experience there. But something's different at this dinner. As they're sitting there, there's something awkward in the room. Because back in this time, you know, people might get a a bath in the river. They might, every morning, you know, just like you and I, we have a shower in the morning. But as they went about their day, they had to walk everywhere they went. And here are the disciples. They've been wearing sandals. They've been walking down dusty paths, paths that donkeys would go down, camels would go down, horses might go down. They're walking on the things that uh, uh, would come from a horse, the feces from a horse. So their feet, can you imagine what that would look like? What that would smell like? How your feet are at the end of a long, hard day. You know, when we were down at the Pathway to Health uh, clinic down in Los Angeles, it's something fun at these clinics to keep a pedometer on you, especially if you're running around to different parts of the clinic, to see how far you actually go during that day. Well, at the end of the day, my family and, and I, we would all look at our, our phones to see how far we'd gone. Sometimes it would be 10, 12 miles, 23,000, 24,000, 25,000 steps. In fact, it This last Sunday, Leah went 23,000 steps, and I think it was like eight miles or something like that on Sunday, just going back and forth, back and forth. Well, we'd get back to the hotel room, and we'd begin to take off our shoes. And suddenly, the girls in the room would say, oh, I don't know what just happened, but can you please stop it, whatever happened? Because this smell would come through the room from the guys' feet who had been walking and sweating and whatever was happening. So the guys would go to the shower and we'd wash off our feet and then everything was okay. So you can imagine here as they are at supper, they're all around this table. They're barefoot in this room. They've been walking all day on a dusty path, walking over horse, donkey, camel feces. And they're sitting there. And something is wrong. Something is awkward. But everybody in the room is pretending like there's absolutely nothing wrong. They're all there saying, well, let's go about our dinner. Because all of them have this pride inside. 
Because they're supposed to be a servant there who would have washed everybody's feet so that they could have a refreshing dinner where they're not smelling all of this. But that pride is too much for the disciples. And somebody forgot to have the servant, so it's whoever forgot to hire the servant's fault that they're not able to wash their feet. So why should I humble myself and wash people's feet? I'm not going to humble myself to do something like that. Instead, I'll just deal with the awkwardness. I'll deal with the smell. I'll deal with my own feet feeling miserable. I'll sit here and pretend like nothing is wrong. Isn't that the story of the Laodicean church? They say we're rich and we're increased with goods. We have need of nothing, but they don't realize that they're wretched and miserable and poor and blind. And we talked about this two weeks ago, that that's the story of you and I. We are the Laodicean church. This is Jesus' message to me. Not to the person sitting next to me in the pew, but to me. That I don't recognize my desperate need. That I have a pride problem. But what does it go on with the Laodicean church? It gives a solution. It gives a solution that Jesus is knocking at the door. The King of Kings is knocking at the door of hearts, wanting to come in and wanting to have supper, to have dinner together. So here they are. They're there in that upper room. It's a group of men who are very Laodicean. Their works at this point are very lukewarm. They're not willing to humble themselves. I mean, they're following Jesus. They're saying good things about Jesus. They believe good things about Jesus, but they're not willing to actually serve the people around them. So they sit there pretending like they're okay, like everything's all right, like it's not a problem, and they refuse to humble themselves. So look at what Jesus does. In verse 4, it says, Jesus Verse 3, it said that he knew all things were in his hand and that he was about to go to God. Verse 4, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. He took off the cumbersome outer garment so that he would have just had the inner garments on. He takes a towel and he puts it around him. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Can you imagine this scene? The disciples are like, what is Jesus doing? Why? Oh, oh no. Uh-oh, he's going to do it. He goes and he grabs that basin. He grabs a towel and he goes to each individual with their filthy feet. Not like our feet today where we've had a shower and we've had socks and shoes on. But filthy, crusty feet that stink. And Jesus comes to them and he begins to wash their feet. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus stoop to this level? It's because Jesus loves us. Jesus doesn't want to see us go through anything miserable in our lives. Jesus wants to do everything possible to make our lives better. And he didn't want them to sit there through dinner miserable smelling their own feet, having their feet be not refreshed. He wanted for them to be refreshed. So Jesus demonstrates that radical love that he has for you and I, that when we're going through rough times, when we're going through difficulties, he just wants to be the one to refresh us, to encourage us, to bring that renewal into our lives. 
What an incredible example Jesus gave. But it wasn't just because of the love that he had for his disciples, just how much he loved them that he was willing to do anything to make their lives better. I mean, have a friend like that would be so amazing, wouldn't it? The, the friend who notices when something's in your teeth and they immediately let you know and take it out for you. The person who's going to be there for anything that you're going through. They're, they're willing to do whatever it takes. Their only focus is that your life would be better. That's the kind of love that Jesus showed, an unselfish love, a love that only thought about other people. That's why he was willing to leave heaven to come for you and I. But Jesus doesn't just leave it there and say, you know, this is what I've done for you. This is great. Uh, Aren't I a wonderful person? But Jesus goes on and he says this. Go down to verse 34. After having washed their feet, Jesus says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It says, in the same way, the same unselfish way, the same way that looks at others and says, they're going through this, they're, they're not happy, they're suffering. I want for you to love people enough that you humble yourself and you serve. Like you guys radically served last Sunday at the Hope Clinic. And doesn't it feel good to just help somebody? No strings attached, but just to be there to make someone's life better. And Jesus doesn't just say, hey, this is a good way to live. What does he say? This is the commandment that I give to you. I'm commanding you to do this. You must love people. Then he goes on to, and and in the same way that I have loved you, then he goes on to say, this is why, verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's how the world will recognize that we're followers of Jesus. We need to have right theology. We need to understand the Bible. But if the Bible does not come into our practical lives and we live it out in a way that makes the lives of others better around us, we may as well stop studying the Bible because it's not doing any good and we're just too Laodicean that Jesus is ready to vomit us out of his mouth like it says in Revelation 3. But when we love, like you loved last Sunday, it shows the world that Jesus loves and that God is a God of love and that that all the mischaracterizations of God, all the misunderstandings of religion, all the confusing traditions, all of those things can be swept away by love. Thank you for loving our community. Thank you for showing them Jesus in a practical way. And I hope you know that not only was the community blessed, but every person, when you do that yourself, you too are infinitely blessed. One last verse we'll look at in John chapter 14. Jesus, after this upper room experience, when he washes their feet, and there in John 13, he says, I've given you an example that you should go and do the same thing. That's why when we have communion like we're having today, we actually go and we wash each other's feet. But not only was Jesus saying that, it wasn't just that we should go through this symbol, but that symbol is to remind us that we're to live radical lives of service. Because we have been radically loved by the infinite God of the universe. But 
Jesus doesn't just tell us to do this, but he promises us something beautiful when we do this. John 14 and verse 21. He who has my commandments. What is one of Jesus' commandments? That you love the way that I have loved you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. Do you want to feel the love of Jesus burning in your heart? Do you want to see Jesus more clearly revealed? Then love the world the way he's loved it. Goes on in verse 23 and says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wasn't this the promise of Revelation 3? That group of Laodiceans who Jesus says, I'm outside the door knocking at the heart because your works are lukewarm. You're not really loving the world like I've told you to. Won't you open up the door and let me come in? Let me stir in you a love that will enable you to love this world. And when we love this world the way he loved it, then Jesus can come especially near to us. Because every single person in need, Jesus says, when you minister to them, it's like you've done it to me. You're doing it for me. When you do it for the very least of these brothers of mine, when you do it for the very lowest of the low, those who are in the deepest need of help, you're actually doing it for Jesus himself. Jesus feels it. And it makes a difference in Jesus' heart. That's the love that Jesus is longing to give to you and I. And so, when we see what's going on in the world today, I challenge you to look at it as Jesus knocking at the door. You know, today the Seventh-day Adventist Church is established today as the World Refugee Sabbath especially because of what's going on right now in the Middle East. It's people from Syria, people from Afghanistan, normal people like you and I who lived normal jobs, working at banks, building boats, fishermen. You have all kinds of people who long to have a normal life, are displaced from their homeland. They have nowhere to go. But there's a group there. Adventist Help and Adra are there meeting those ships when they come to shore on the Greek islands, and they're there to help them. I don't care what your political affiliation may be, but when it comes to people in need, we have a responsibility to love this world the way that Jesus loved it. We have a responsibility that's far closer than that. There may be 20 million people who are displaced, and that may sound like an amazing thing. We may see about it on the news But there's a community here that we saw is in pain and is in need. We had people here who were in real pain, and a dentist was able to fix that last Sunday. We had people here who couldn't see, and an optometrist was able to help them last Sunday. We have people in this community who you may know yourself that their house is falling down. They have a leaky roof, and maybe we could go and fix it for them. We may have people in this community, people who can't drive their car. We may have single moms who just need help with their car, and some of you have the gifts to help them. Sometimes you may feel like, hey, I don't know how to work for Jesus. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to give a Bible study. Those things are things we should all learn how to do, but when it comes down to it, every one of you has a talent, has a gift that can make a difference in loving people and showing them Jesus' love in a practical way. 
We saw that this last Sunday with our medical professionals and with so many of the rest of you. But what other ways can we serve this community? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not happy with just 30 seconds on the 8 o'clock news every once in a while. I want for this church to be highlighted constantly, to be known in our community constantly as that church which actually loves people and cares about people and makes a difference in their lives in a practical way. Because this is a gospel imperative. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do. This is why we are Christians. And if we miss that, we may as well break the Sabbath. If we miss that, we may as well break all the other commandments because we've missed the point. And the point is to love this world the way that Jesus loved it. Today, as you go through the the experience of washing each other's feet in the communion service, as we come up here and we partake of of the, the grape juice and the bread to remember what Jesus has done for us, remember that these are all symbols which point us to our desperate need for Jesus to come and live that same life out in us. In the desire of ages, it says that, when we love the world the way that Jesus loved it, then for us His mission is fulfilled. Then we're ready for heaven because we have heaven in our hearts. I want heaven in my heart. How about you? I want to love the way Jesus loved. So I challenge you, would you please think about the gifts and talents that God has given you and how can you use them for your neighbors and how can we get to group together as a church and we'll invest in it, we'll put money into it that we as a church can reach this community, we can love this community. Will you do that? Is it your desire to love like Jesus loved, to serve like he served? If you want to prayerfully consider what are the practical talents that I have that I can give, the the gifts that God has given me that I can share, I want to invite you to stand with me as I pray. Just stand and say, Jesus, I don't know exactly how you're going to use me, But I recognize that I have some training, I have some abilities, and I want to be used by you. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of serving you, for the privilege of loving. We only love because you first loved us. God, we've barely scratched the surface, and yet it's made us so excited. It's filled us with so much joy. We ask that you'd open a door wide for us to serve more and more, to love more and more. Because this is the only way that anybody out there is ever going to care about the message that we have to share with them, is if we actually care for the needs that they really have. Oh, Father, please fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with wisdom to know how to love this world the way you loved it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.